Hello and welcome, you're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox. And I'm Kyle Skinner. And we're your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode will focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Twitter at Mouse Madness Pod or send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. Kyle, we're back with episode 30. Dirty 30 in the house. Dirty 30, and to celebrate, we are talking best Pixar short, which is great because uh, this is a really accessible topic for everybody. And to, uh, to you know, really kick off the spirits here, we invited back Callie to the podcast who helped us pick our best Pixar movie bracket. Welcome back, Callie. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Once again, dove straight into the Pixar content, and thanks to Disney+, Plus, it was a breeze. All right, well, before we go any further, let's talk about our spoonfuls of sugar. Kyle, what do you have today? Today I went a little simple. Uh, I decided to break out the old gin and juice, a little bit of gin and a little bit of orange juice, and I'm calling it the tin and juice. Chris. Oh. Yeah, tin toy. I got Shout it. out. That took me a second, but I got it. Shout out, scary baby. All right, Chris, <laughs> what are you drinking? Um... Well, the virus once again tipped my hand and had to use what I got. And all I got was stuff to make a Adios Mother Gothel. I don't have any mixers in my house, except Domino's messed up my order last week and gave me a Sprite instead of a Diet Coke. So I whipped up this little beauty inside my new Mary Poppins mug, which I'm still loving. The only problem is you can't see the blue right. in the AMG. So mm. kind of a shame. Yeah, Callie, a what are you sipping on? All right, I don't have a punny title for this, um, but I think it's a margarita, but no lime. I just had a lemon and a grapefruit, so I squeezed those in there instead. So Corona, once again, making us get creative with our cocktails. Okay, we have our spoonful of sugars in hand, and it is time to talk a little Pixar shorts. So before we dive into announcing the demo and announcing the bracket, there's a couple notes about this category. Um, so these are Pixar original shorts, and they're going to be delivered as such. So these aren't shorts that exist from any other Pixar entity. They exist in their own world. So you're not going to see Jack-Jack Attack on this. You're not going to see Mike's new car on here. No cartoons, no Toy Story tunes, no Spark shorts for this one either. Um, Spark shorts will be a great one to dive in at a later time, but... This is strictly just Pixar original shorts. Um, you can kind of find the distinction if you want, if you just Google it and check out the Wikipedia link. But what's good for you is that all of these are on Disney+. Plus. So if you haven't seen any of them, if you haven't seen them in a super long time like I hadn't, highly suggest that you go back and watch all of these shorts. Uh, they range from anywhere from two minutes to seven, eight minutes long, so it's not that heavy of a lift. So head back, watch it for you know, an hour. It's a super fun binge experience. So do that before you listen to this so that you have the full context of what we're talking about. Um, and also we might reference some of the points that we brought up in Best Pixar Movie. So if you have not listened to that Mouse Madness bracket, go check that one out. Callie's on that one as well. Find out who we crowned there, what themes we explored, and those are probably going to come up again. So let's introduce the demo. Chris, 
Who did we have the intern survey this time? Every good bracket needs a good demo, and this one is an all-time Disneyland classic demographic. A couple episodes ago, we did people holding balloons on Main Street for an Instagram picture. That's a new thing, right? That wasn't around only like five years ago, but this one's been around as long as Disneyland has existed. This demographic was parents stuck holding their child's Mickey ears. We've all seen it. Maybe some of us have been that parent. Maybe some of us have been that child that is just sick of wearing those Mickey ears and wants to give them to mom or dad or legal guardian to carry around for the rest of the day. The headbands that a lot of oh. like women will wear? Yeah. They're the worst. Those will just squeeze, right? Those just like squeeze mm-hmm. the hell out of your temples. So I get it, kids. I get it, but the moms are over it. <laughs> I don't think. Get the... your ears on the way out of the park. Yes. Agreed. Because you have to take them off when you go on every ride anyway. Right. It's a hassle. Yeah, just like put them in your backpack and then take them out. Easy. Easy fix, y'all. Yep. All right. Well, before we announce our field of 16, we have four Missed the Dance short films. There are only 20 official Pixar original shorts, and so we had this list just done for us. So the first one I want to talk about is Bound In. This one is one of the earlier Pixar shorts. It came out in 2003 and was shown before The Incredibles. This one's not great. It's a little bit quirky, I want to say. Um, I don't want to be disrespectful to this one because it's a Bud Lucky project who is a Pixar legend. This guy was around from the beginning. He was the voice of Mr. Dicker in the first Incredibles movie. He was also Chuckles the Clown in Toy Story 3. And legend has it that Bud Lucky was the man who conceived the character design for Woody. So we have a lot to thank him for. Bounden was not one of those things. Yeah, Bounden. <laughs> so, so basically, here's how I think it happened. He had this success within the studio. They let him run with this project that is bound in. I mean, he did everything. He was the writer, director, producer. He wrote the song. He performed the song. He did all the voices. This was just his thing. Didn't come out great, but I'll tip my cap to Mr. Bud Lucky. (laughs) I do like how it's kind of totally different than anything else that Pixar's done. Like watching, like Kyle said, I binged all of these shorts earlier today and before I saw the bracket or really paid attention to the bracket, I watched Bound In. And it was so interesting because like a American Southwest style isn't something that you really see in any Pixar stuff. Um, yeah, so... you could tell that he was really inspired by that part of the country and I think he was kind of a cowboy himself, also yeah. served in the Air Force. So this is like right up his alley for sure yeah so i appreciated the visuals but yeah the story was garbage the next one we'd like to talk about is partly cloudy and this one is another one of pixar's kind of nature themed shorts uh you have a (laughs) which they love to stick on uh when it came to this one or um day and night i think that parents really enjoyed the humor and the uh, kind of interesting concept that Day and Night provided that maybe Partly Cloudy didn't. Um, 
I don't want to dive too far into the plot of Partly Cloudy. It, we're not going to be talking about it, but it's an, it's another one that's worth watching if you have Disney Plus and, and you want to see what we're, uh, what's missing out from our bracket. This is a good one to check out, but it's just it just didn't make the dance this time. My favorite part about Partly Cloudy is just seeing the baby representations of the hostile animals. Mm-hmm. I find that cute and enjoyable. Yeah. But the biggest problem with Partly Cloudy is one that is much worse in Presto, which is our next Miss the Dance film. The problem is that it feels like a straight Looney Tunes short in that it is just dripping with physical humor and like excessive violence. Right. It's obnoxious. There's no real story or characters or relationships. It's just this magician getting beat up during his routine. It's like, yeah, some of those gags are a little funny, but like Pixar can operate so much better than that. So this is definitely a type of animation that you'd expect to see somewhere else, maybe like Illumination or something like that. So no surprise that Presto missed the dance. And the final short that did not make the dance is called The Adventures of Andre and Wally B. This was a short that was produced by the graphics group which was a division of lucasfilm before it kind of spun off and became pixar so this even predates pixar which could be why no one even thinks of it um it was a film that was animated by john lasseter um so this is where you really see the beginnings of the john lasseter kind of pixar era um and it's very it's a super i mean this thing was made in 1984 and it's it's the just the bare bones basic of what they could do with computer animation but even for like the first short that they ever put out it's pretty impressive that this is what they were able to do now it's doesn't hold up to today in any light it's kind of boring and weird um but it's definitely like from a historical context it's definitely something to go check out i highly recommend all right well that leaves us with 16 pixar original short films that make up our bracket let's announce the field cue the dramatic music please kyle start us off sometimes you need to overcome your fear to find out what your true talent is coming in at the number one seed it's piper Will this short film sink early? Coming in at number two, Lava. Don't be a bully, or you just might lose your clothes. Coming in at number three, it's for the birds. I guess the sun never sets on the Pixar empire. Coming in at number four, Day and Night. When the moon meets the sky like a big pizza pie, that's our number five seed, La Luna. This short film's no bark, all bite. Coming in at number six, Bow. If you're living alone during this pandemic, this is the short for you. Coming in at number seven is Jerry's Game. This one's got Snow Chance. Coming in at number eight, it's Knickknack. We're gonna say the word right off the top. This short is literally iconic. Coming in at number nine, it's Lexo Jr. Bert from Mary Poppins could never. Coming in at number 10, One Man Band. Watch out for that baby. Coming in at number 11, it's Tin Toy. An actual parent in a Pixar movie. Coming in at number 12, Sanjay's Super Team. In a world of black and white, you can sometimes have red and blue. 
coming in at number 13, it's the Blue Umbrella. Y'all better hide your footballs, hide your toys, because Lou is coming in at the number 14 seed. Think Space Jam, but Pixar. Coming in at number 15, it's Lifted. That's a clown matchup, bro. Coming in at number 16, Red's Dream. Man, those are awful. <laughs> okay, Callie, how do you like this field? You got any early favorites here? Um, Yeah, I'm a little uh, surprised that Lava is so high. Um, and Sanjay's super team is so low, but we'll get into all of that. You know, I think that we might have another number one seed making it pretty far in this bracket. I'm really liking Piper's chances here in the upper left corner of this bracket. Agreed. That's a strong favorite for sure. Yeah, Piper's coming out of a pretty weak conference over there, but uh, you never know. Something something might come out of nowhere on, and really knock Piper out of this bracket. We'll see. All right, I guess I'll start us off. With the number one seed, you got Piper. I was talking it up a lot a second ago. Here's why I think it's so great. It's one of five Academy Award-winning Pixar shorts, which feels surprising to me because they absolutely mopped the floor in the best animated feature film category at the Academy Awards. But you would think with all of this history that they would have more than five Academy Awards. But nonetheless, Piper's one of those. I'm not a huge Academy Awards guy myself, but I just had to say it. Uh, yeah, I think it's a really strong number one seed. It's got all of the components that I love in a Pixar movie. I think it's Pixar operating at its best, and that is using movement to convey emotion. You have these two birds who don't speak, they just tweet, and yet you can feel everything that they're feeling just in the way that they move. A lot of cartoons do that, a lot of animation studios do that, but Pixar does it in a way that feels so much more real. The movements aren't necessarily subtle. For example, when the baby sandpiper is like super wired after the wave comes for it. Uh, yeah, that's kind of like a slightly excessive reaction. You have to see it. But like a normal animation might show a character with like its eyes bulging out of its head or something that's just like way over the top. Uh, Pixar, I think, does it tastefully. Obviously, a beautiful setting uh, at sunset on the beach. The thing that I think is most impressive about Piper is it takes this six-minute film and creates an entirely self-contained narrative inside of it that feels big, even though it's actually really, really small, both in scale of the narrative and scale of the space within the film that they're navigating. It's just a tiny slice of beach somewhere, and we get sucked into it like it could be, you know, as large as an entire universe or something. Love that about Piper. We can talk a little bit more about some specifics in later rounds with this one. It's going up against Red's Dream, which I think is one of the weakest Pixar shorts. Clearly, this is one of the early creations it has not really aged well. The animation of the clown is pretty terrible. If I was going to say one good thing about Red's Dream is that it started the trend of Pixar turning the spotlight onto characters or things that maybe aren't the ones that are normally featured in a scene or in a story. So in this instance, it's a clown. 
And so Pixar goes, let's change the frame of reference a little bit. Let's focus on the unicycle. What might the unicycle be thinking in this situation? That's something that's so unique. It made Pixar what it is today. And I have to tip my cap, Thread's Dream, for doing that. But ultimately, it's a pretty creepy short. And it's kind of weird and pretty forgettable. So I'm going with Piper in a landslide here. Yeah, Red's Dream is interesting because I think it was more of a test of what animation could do, more so than like a showcase of storytelling. Um, And I think what Pixar does really well is even if a short, even if a movie, um, anything that they put out, if there's some sort of narrative that you expect a result from and it changes there's still some sort of payoff from it and in red's dream that's not the case at all like you think maybe this unicycle is going to be purchased out of this uh bicycle shop and like no it just ends super sad <laughs> which is like not very pixar of pixar to do they can make you sad but it will either be for a heartwarming reason because it was sad but then there will be some sort of payoff and they've And it just goes back to what I said. Like, this was obviously just a test of what animation can do and not what their storytellers could do. Um, Everything you brought up about Piper is correct. I agree. Piper's moving on. Callie, I would assume that you'd have Piper moving on here as well. Yeah, I'm with you guys 100%. Um, Red Stream, I don't think I had seen it before I prepped for this. Um, And yeah, the clown is absolutely terrifying. The way his hair is just like floating around his face is very unsettling. Um... And I think it's clear that Pixar hadn't really hit their stride yet. Um, Kyle, like you were saying, with the storytelling department, obviously the animation was way ahead of its time, but the storytelling just wasn't quite there yet. Um, But Piper, yeah, immaculate chef's kiss. Cool. Let's move on down the bracket then to number eight, Knickknack versus number nine, Lexo Jr. Knickknack is probably the first pixar short besides jerry's game that i remember seeing um knickknack is about a little snow globe snowman who wants so bad to be out with all of the other knickknacks that this person has collected from various locations like palm springs and florida so they're all the knickknacks are all out bobbing their head to a little bit of bobby mcferrin uh and and hanging out by a pool and he just wants that um, and so the whole short's his shenanigans trying to get out of his snow globe. Um, Lexo Jr., this is another one that is really Pixar testing the limits of their ability to animate. Registream doesn't do is give you a full story. What Lexo Jr. provides is this kind of full story. It's very much like they took these inanimate lamps and made you feel like you recognize that relationship. It is the a parent who has a kid who's easily distracted by this ball, and when the ball deflates, instant sadness because that ball was all this kid knew. It's like that's the most important thing to this kid is this ball that he owns or she owns. And then the kid finds another ball and everything's fine because it, this is what kids do, right? So I thought... Pixar was flexing their animation mu- muscles and then were like, oh, you know what also makes animation great? is a great story. And so they were able to do that within the f- couple minutes that Lexo Jr. happened. Um, Lexo Jr. is also obviously where they then found their icon for the company. Um, 
the the animation where he flattens the ball is what the animation is when he flattens the eye like it's it's where they found i think that's where they found their stride and they're like we're going to model everything around this concept where animation greatness meets storytelling greatness and that's what we're going to be about so i think that's great um in this matchup between knickknack and lexo jr though the while lexo so iconic knickknack is just such a fun little story and i love it because i thought like uh, some of these and i get into it in future rounds but some of these like gags that pixar tries to insert into some of these shorts just don't land for me but a lot that happens in knickknack i really liked i liked the whole like him trying to use the blowtorch underwater and you're like oh that's not gonna work and then it combusts and he just gets blasted away like i like that kind of stuff in this short so chris i think that just overall as a just a story the music the animation the fun that knickknack has no matter how iconic lexo jr is it's moving on for me wow you not advancing an iconic thing that's insane sound the alarm you're going off brand kyle what sound the doing? alarm i'm actually really surprised you went with knickknack here this might be some recency bias for me coming into play but i am 100 percent out on knickknack i'm gonna drop a nuke on it right now Ugh. a couple of days ago maybe a week ago dan schneider was trending on twitter Uh-oh. for those of you who don't know dan schneider was a creator executive producer of a lot of children's television shows on nickelodeon he has all kind of scandals wrapped up not going to go into detail on that but i went down a rabbit hole on YouTube of like creators in the children's animation field. And it just, it's messed up. I don't know if you ever heard of a man named John Chris Falusi who created Ren and Stimpy. This is Weinstein level stuff. I would argue that it's worse than Weinstein stuff. And so it's all fresh in my mind. So when I went back to watch Knickknack, when we decided we were going to do this topic, I just could not, stop thinking about the attitudes of so many animators during the time that this movie was probably created. Mm -hmm. You said that you interpret knickknack as like a toy wanting to go hang out with all the other toys. I interpret it as a snowman who wanted to go hook up with the (laughs) bikini toy and then who later wanted to go hook up with the mermaid toy. And I was just like picturing this short film, Knickknack, premiering at the 1989 SIGGRAPH in Boston and just having this huge room full of white dudes see the like sexy bikini toy and being like, yeah, yeah. And then and then just finding it hilarious that this snowman is trying so hard to like get with this girl toy in a bikini. I just was, I got, my skin was crawling as I was watching this and, uh, yeah, I was just like, dude, I'm out on knickknack. I know that that might not necessarily be the case, but that's just like the interpretation I drew from knickknack. So I guess we're going to have to throw it to Callie to see what she thinks. Yeah. So Chris, I kind of had the same feeling and we might touch on this again when we talk about day and night, but it just, yep. yeah, it felt weird, honestly. And um, like I, like Kyle was saying, I appreciate the gags where he's like throwing his igloo at the side of the glass and um like pulling out a whole pyramid of dynamite to blow up his little igloo like where is he finding all of this stuff um but I think the fact that Luxo Jr. is able to 
convey the story it did. And I'm pretty sure that Luxo Jr. is one of the shorter of the shorts. I think it's only like two and a half minutes long. And so the fact that it's able to pack a whole story where you totally understand from start to finish what's happening in that short of time, I think is pretty incredible. Um, so yeah, it's Luxo Jr. for me. Nick Knack's out. <laughs> Adios, Nick Knack. Uh, Kyle, do you have anything to say about that? No, I get it. I totally get it. Um, it's actually the issue that you brought up is the exact issue that I have with the next one. So let's dive in. All right, let's get right into it. Um, this one is really tough for me, actually. Like you said, Day and Night has a similar issue where around the midpoint of the short, you have the day character revealing a girl in a bikini sunbathing and the night character, like, he, like, rubs his eyebrows like he's going to go, like, talk to her or something. And then she's gone. And then the day reveals, like, a swimming pool full of bikini girls. And then the night character howls like a wolf. This Girl. movie is not that old. This short came out in 2010 before Toy Story 3. So, yeah, I guess we've come a long way in 10 years. But it's just kind of like... Watching Nick Knack and Day and Night back to back, I'm just kind of like, ew. There's also a urination joke at the beginning with the waterfall. Okay, I appreciated that one. I appreciated that. There's also a very subtle butt crack joke with the fence Mm -hmm. where the cows are hanging out. I am not above a toilet joke. One of my favorite types of humor, as I've said before on this podcast. But So yeah, that is definitely a huge issue for me with Day and Night. The thing that I do like about this short is that it plays with sound in a way that no other Pixar shorts or movies play with sound. Pixar is known for its visual storytelling, but in this short, it features so much rich sound I would highly recommend you all go back and watch this one with some nice headphones in or some AirPods or something like that. Really cool during the fight sequence to hear all of the sounds switching back and forth from a sound that might happen during the day to a sound that might happen in the night going back and forth. It's really, really cool. So that's probably my favorite part about it. The messaging's good. Like it says something like we're very different, but if you embrace the differences in each other, you'll find that we're actually all the same underneath. And that's great. It's a little bit on the nose, and ultimately, it's a little bit high concept for me. This short is definitely, I think, representative of that later Pixar storytelling, where they kind of go a little bit abstract with some of the concepts and sacrifice some of the story elements to create a a stronger lesson or a theme. So it kind of misses the mark for me a little bit with that one. It's going up against Blue Umbrella, which I had not seen, actually, before we started researching this. It was shown in 2013 before Monsters University, a movie I did not watch in theaters. So, <laughs> Miss Blue Umbrella. And, man, I don't like either one of these shorts. The first minute of Blue Umbrella feels like it's a commercial for a new antidepressant, where there's, like, all of the black umbrellas walking down the street, and then, like, the blue one pops up, and it's really sad, and then, like, it becomes happy. And then there's, like, a generic quirky indie song going along with it. It's it does not feel very Pixar to me. Um, it feels like it lacks direction a little bit. And so it got to the point where I was like, yeah, maybe I do want this umbrella to get run over by the car just so it can be over. Gosh. Um, 
gosh. <laughs> it's hard because Day and Night has that kind of gross aspect to it, but I think it's a better executed short film, and it feels more distinctly Pixar to me. Also, what's wrong with the slow-mo in Blue Umbrella? There's a couple of moments, particularly when the guy who's holding the umbrella lets go of the umbrella. It's like instead of animating in slow-mo, they just like slowed down the frame rate of the movie, and it looks like really bad. Yeah. So, again, tough matchup. I think I'm going to go with Day and Night still with an asterisk, I guess. See, you brought up that you felt that Day and Night felt more Pixar and it just it did not to me this day and night felt like the Looney Tunes more than it did Pixar for me just from the character design of day and night themselves the to the gags that were happening it just felt very not Pixar and I'm with you there's a lot of like the the peeing reference is super funny I, I loved that I just like there's just so much in it that I just I got bored part way through with this one I just felt like it wasn't very Pixar. The the um, sunbathing girls part felt like not only did it, so not only was it wrong the first time, they went back and did it again. Right? They did like, it like they, three times. It yeah. was it was it just was... like oh gosh, this is like cringeworthy. This hurts, and so and then doesn't he get the sunbathing girl in the end too? That's like his prize. yeah. That's right. He's so excited so, that he's the great. daytime, so he could go. So not only was I checking out, that part happened, and I was like, God, I just can't. I need this to be done. With Blue Umbrella, like, okay, I get it. I get it. It, Once you said it, yes, it does seem like an antidepressant-like commercial, for sure. But what makes this so much more Pixar is what we've already been talking about so much. It's the personification of these inanimate objects. And like finding the faces and all of these everyday items. And somebody that lives in a major city like New York, I was when I was watching this, I was like, wow, this is a Chris short right here. Like, is he going to walk to CVS to get another Elsa drink and be like, oh, look, the thing's smiling at me. The crosswalk's smiling at me. <laughs> like, <laughs> the blue umbrella. It's I, not. It's not smiling at me. It's spitting at me. <laughs> I thought it was super charming. I thought it was super cute. It's such a cute little love story. There's there's heroes in it. I mean, the traffic sign commits suicide to save this umbrella's life and gets ran over, like dives into the middle of the street. The part where you think that the umbrella is like dead, the morbid like carcass of the umbrella lying on the storm drain and the storm like the storm drain's mouth and then the mouth trying to like wake him up and push him up and everyone's so sad i was like this is so dark oh my gosh but i the once again pixar shows up with the payoff and obviously it was super predictable like here comes the red umbrella and and they're gonna go on a date like that was obvious but in this matchup like i just could not stand day and night i'm moving blue umbrella on callie we're going back to you yeah kyle i think i'm with you on this one um i just yeah day and night while I appreciated the different approach to the animation, it was just like, it felt so out of left field for Pixar Um, and blue umbrella. Like when I first started it, I was like, is this a live shot of a rainy city right now? The animation ability in that short, I think it really um, kind of 
went on to show what they're able to do. And Piper is another great example of that, where it just feels so lifelike. Um, and yeah, clearly Pixar loves animating inanimate objects. But um, yeah, I think for this one, Blue Umbrella is the winner. Let's move on down to the next matchup. It's number five, La Luna versus number 12, Sanjay's Super Team. So La Luna was a really pleasant surprise. I hadn't seen it until not this bracket, but maybe just a couple months ago. Um, and it, I didn't have any idea what it was about. And it was really creative. I thought that was an awesome little story. I thought that the kind of um, how they emphasized generational differences between like how dad wants things done and how grandpa wants things done and how there's tension there but the son just wants to be like his elders right he just wants to be like the the guys of this family um i think that's super relatable for some people um it was really super interesting concept like who came up with that this idea that like this family is the keeper of the moon essentially right like it was just such a creative concept um the the trope of the like big dad with the mustache and the eyebrows that cover the eyes i feel like that's just something that we see so often but i can only point out one time that like from memory that i've seen it and it's the Claudio with the Chance of Meatball series, like <laughs> Homeboy's dad is that exact character. He literally looks yeah. just like him. So it was a little weird to like the the gag of him like uh, lifting his eyebrows and his eyes were underneath. Like that was so predictable from the beginning, which was, it seemed like a gag that Pixar was like, we need the dad character and like he's going to be a little strict, but we need to give him some comedic value. Oh, let's make him like this Claudio with the Chance of Meatballs guy. No, no. Um, Sanjay's super team. I've complained the last few episodes about like Pixar and Disney in general not really leaning into representation in their animation. Um, I feel like they went all out in this one. I'm obviously not of Hindu belief or um, culture or any of that, so I can't really speak to how it was representing that culture. And Chris, maybe you have some insight when you come come up to bat here if. Um, you did some research onto it, but for the, what the concept was, I thought it was awesome. I thought that if we're seeing a story from a culture that Disney has not really dived into. I thought that it it was Pixar displaying how well they can animate action sequences. Like when I walked out of Incredibles 2, I was like, some of the superhero battles in Incredibles 2 were even better than some superhero movies that have come out from other studios. Like, the concepts that they have and how these characters use their powers is so developed and so creatively done. I'm just always so fascinated with it. So, during this kind of, like, um, superhero montage that they did during Sanjay's Daydream, like, that was awesome. The way that they were able to flip the switch on the kind of animation style I really appreciated as well so that you knew that he was in a daydream but instead of just making it like this fuzzy kind of memory glow thing they changed it to this like comic superhero-esque animation style and I thought that was super cool and really creative. Um, I think here usually I go to more of the like sentimental value 
sort of storylines, but I just I just enjoyed Sanjay's superhero so much, super team so much better than I did La Luna, although I was pleasantly surprised by La Luna. So I'm moving Sanjay on to the next round. Yeah, this one is a tough matchup for me as well. Both of these shorts deal with very similar themes about reconciling differences in generations, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I don't want to speak too much about what I learned about Hinduism <laughs> in regards to Sanjay's super team because I don't want to misspeak, say something insensitive. But this short was produced by a Pixar animator named Sanjay Patel, who grew up in San Bernardino, and it was a very accurate depiction of what his life was like growing up. His father was very devout in his faith, and he was more interested in spending his time watching superhero shows on television. So it's an experience that even people who might not be of the Hindu faith can relate to. The thing that I don't love about Sanjay's super team is that it gets a little bit off the rails when they start incorporating a lot of those superhero action elements. I really wish that this was just a feature-length Pixar film because it's dealing with so many great themes and it's a great idea. It just feels like it's too compressed watching it in only four or six minutes or whatever it is. See, I feel like if they did a full-length movie on this concept, that's where it gets messy. It's that they can't focus on a on a single idea and that they would try to do too much with this sort of concept. So I appreciated its shortness, but um, that's me just jumping into your turn. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I think there could have been maybe some ways that would have made some of the action feel less disorienting. Sanjay goes into this other realm where the three gods and goddesses are who turn into superheroes and they're fighting this demon if they had just organized the action a little bit better i think it would have been a little bit cleaner it's supposed to be kind of surrealist in a way so that also might have taken some things away from it i don't really know like you said it gives a little glimpse into a type of peoples who don't necessarily always have a voice or have their stories told on screen, especially when it comes to Disney and Pixar. So I enjoyed after watching Sanjay's super team going onto the internet and researching like, okay, what was that? What did that mean? What faith was that that they were depicting here? So I learned a lot about the Hindu faith just today doing research for this episode. So, I mean, Those are the kind of things that I think Pixar needs to lean into, like we said, where, you know, it can provide its audience some insight into the world, you know, the way a lot of people do things out there that is not just us in America. So love that about Sanjay Super Team. Everything you said about La Luna, I agree with. The animation style in La Luna actually reminds me of Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker on GameCube. <laughs> Something about just like the proportions yes. of their bodies. Yeah. That's what I thought of when I saw the Luna for the first time. Well, when and we they're in a boat, about... which doesn't help at all with that comparison. <laughs> yes, exactly. And when you were talking about Day and Night, you were talking about how like, uh, like not Pixar's animation style, don't like it. I don't really mind when Pixar kind of goes off their animation style a little bit. I think it's really important to let artists create in the style that they feel most comfortable. It makes them 
it allows them to tell their story in the best way that they can. So I'm all for other types of styles. And both of these shorts kind of are different in that respect. The little kid in La Luna is named Bambino. Gotta love it. <laughs> Gotta love a kid named Bambino. Yeah, I just... It's hard because, like I said, the themes in these are very, very similar. I know you kind of hung it on which one is a more enjoyable watch, and I'm going to do the same. But for me, the more enjoyable watch was La Luna, so this one's going back to Kylie again. All right, so this is probably one of the harder matchups for me, just looking at this bracket. Um, Like Kyle and you, I wasn't super familiar with La Luna or Sanjay's super team. Um, My first introduction to La Luna was when I was on Pixar Pier for the first time and played the little star catching game on mm-hmm. um, uh, in Disney California Adventure, which is a great game because you win every single time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was my first introduction to that. And then obviously I went and watched the short shortly after I was in the parks. Um, and then I just watched Sanjay's Super Team um in preparation for this and i was pretty blown away so uh kind of like chris was mentioning um sanjay patel is um or he was the one that um produced that short and i in high school was a ta for um i think it was like a world history class and my the teacher had this book right next to the little desk that I would sit at and um it was one of his books so it was uh and I'm probably going to butcher this Ramayana Divine Loophole um and so he wrote this children's book about this kind of Hindu saga of Ramayana and his life um and the art in it is amazing it's kind of like that pop mid-century modern art that you see sometimes in Incredibles and you saw um, when um, the superhero show came on for the first time on the TV in that short. Um, mm-hmm. And he has a bunch of other super cool arts at uh, ghappy.com, G-H-E-E, which is an Indian food pun, um, which I also appreciate. Um, so, yeah, this one's tough, but... Um, I think I'm going to go forward with Sanjay's super team just because the representation I think is really incredible. And I think you can kind of see a trend with where Pixar is going with this short bow Coco. I think they're starting to realize that, you know, as great as Toy Story is, it probably doesn't have the same representation that um, some of these new stories do. So um, while I love La Luna, if it was up against any other short for me, it would probably move on. But Sanjay Super Team is my pick for this one. All right, so we're moving Sanjay Super Team on to the next round. Okay, let's hop over to the other side of the bracket. We've got number two Lava versus number fifteen Lifted. Callie said it at the beginning of the episode. How is Lava number two here? I didn't realize that this was a short people liked. I saw it the first time in theater, and I was like, eh, it was kind of weird. And then I never watched it again. I would see it on Disney Plus as I was just like flipping through Pixar stuff, and I would be like, it was that weird volcano short. So it's surprising to me that it made it all the way to number two. Kyle, let's talk a little bit about volcanoes. Um, <laughs> Please. When I rewatched Lava, 
The first thing I thought was, I didn't realize that volcanoes can sink. Don't mountains grow over time, like because of tectonic plates? Right. But that is not the case for volcanoes. No. Volcanoes actually do rise from the ocean and then sink back into them. Yes. And then when they're big volcanoes above the ocean, there's like a coral reef that forms around them. And it creates a landform called an atoll. And then the volcano sinks back in the ocean. And then there's like a ring that stays there around where the volcano used to be. Yeah. It's a love story so, and a science project all in one I'm short. smarter about volcanoes <laughs> after watching lava. I will say it's a great geography lesson, the short. Yeah. And that... they managed to fit extinct in a song. How does that happen? <laughs> that being said, there are way too many words in lava the thing I love about Pixar shorts is that traditionally there is no speaking. You just have to rely on your imagination and your skills as a film viewer to draw emotion and relationships and story from these things. And Lava just adds a song that tells the story to you audibly. And I think it kind of loses some of that Pixar magic when it does that. The song's fine. It's all right. I don't really have anything against it. But it just doesn't really gel with the Pixar way, in my opinion. When we were talking about Inside Out in our Pixar bracket, I guessed that they kind of reversed engineered that movie and started with the theme and then maybe worked their way backwards. I think they reverse engineered Lava. They started with some animator was driving into work one day and the phrase I lava you came into his brain and then he was like that should be a short we should make a short from that about volcanoes and love and then they just kind of like did it from there I don't know this short feels really weak to me I don't like it at all that was a good one I got that one you get it good job that 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 joke rocked you're building up for that moment oh man on the other hand, you've got Lifted, which I don't think is necessarily a great short. It premiered with Ratatouille, and it kind of feels like a similar like middle-of-the-road Pixar short film, just like Ratatouille's kind of a middle-of-the-road Pixar film. It's cute and clever and funny at times. There's a butt-crack joking, Lifted. Yep. You know, gotta love those. Do you think Linguini is the person getting abducted? Oh, okay, so man. I, thought, I that. thought that the whole time. Yeah, but Linguini, I don't think, lives on a farm. Right. Um, he might be in the French countryside. He retired. <laughs> His true. restaurant closed very because true. of a rat infestation. You don't know what he's up to now. Okay, so we're creating an alternate Pixar universe. <laughs> love it. Love the dynamic between the older boss alien and like the little kid trainee alien super funny one's like a stiff and one is clearly a slacker who has no idea what he's doing but he's trying to fake it i crack up every time during the part where he just starts going crazy on the switchboard and he does like a snow angel in the switches and then you can see the little holographic red dot in the house like bouncing all over the walls um yeah, not a whole lot in terms of story. It's just barely cute enough for me, but ultimately is lacking in other places too. To me, this comes down to which one do I enjoy more? I don't really enjoy Lava at all, and I enjoy Lifted 
a little bit. So I'm going lifted here over Lava. I agree with you. I don't know that I would put Lava at number two. Um, I'm not a big fan of not only the short, but of the song. The song feels super drawn out. And we could have just made this short a quick three minutes and said, let's get out of here. Thing for me, Chris, is I do not like Lifted at all. I was not a fan. I I sat there and was just like, this is just... Maybe it's that I only have a, I have a fairly low tolerance for slapstickiness in, in these bursts. And in the short, which isn't necessarily super short, almost every bit of comedic value comes from the slapstickiness all the way to the end. All the way to the end. I mean, it sets the tone when he's abducted and his head hit the wall, which I will say I appreciate. I thought that was funny because I was like, oh, he's going out the window. He's up into the spaceship. I had seen this before, but only the one time um, before this bracket. So it was kind of like seeing it brand new. And I did appreciate how long it took him to get through the tree. I thought that was really funny too. But the aliens were not my favorite. They literally looked like Space Jam aliens. And it just what I I just got more of like the warm Pixar feeling from Lava than I did from Lifted. Lifted felt like they had some jokes and they threw them in like here's a list of gags that we pulled off the floor let's find characters to make it happen oh aliens abducting this guy the spaceship crashing on the guy at the very end like ugh, i was uh get out just just blast off already okay that's it that's how i was reacting the entire time chris i don't really care to be honest about this round but i care enough to not move lifted on because i just do not like that short Lava's moving on for me. Callie, you are here to decide. Yeah, so this one, I'm kind of with you, Kyle. I don't really care about this matchup at all. They're both kind of like, eh, in my eyes. Um, first time I saw Lava was when I was at Disneyland with my mom. And um, I think we had run out of things to do. I think it was our third day, final day in the park, and we were walking around Tomorrowland and they were showing three shorts at um the theater, the screening theater that they have in Tomorrowland. Um and Lava was one of those. And I remember being like, what the hell did I just watch? <laughs> like I'm so confused. I think the song is kind of a cheap imitation of a um that hawaiian singer israel i can't i'm not even gonna <laughs> attempt is. to pronounce his last name yeah but um it was kind of in that same vein and the male volcano might have had a resemblance to him a little bit it also seemed weird that the male volcano was just like literally a rock coming out of the ocean and yeah. then the female volcano was like fully formed had he hair. was an old old man <laughs> who got Old, with this young man. girl he also looked like job of the hut yes um but i'm still gonna move it on because i i don't know lifted wasn't not my favorite i um like you're saying enjoyed one bit of slapstick but that was about it and i felt like they relied on that a little too much um butt crack joke great as always but um <laughs> 
this one, I guess Lava is going to move on just because it's paired up against this one. I think if it was up against anything else, I would move that one on compared to Lava, but here we are. Let's move on down to number seven, Jerry's game versus number 10, One Man Band. Um, <laughs> I remember seeing One Man Band, but I forgot how it ended, and it was such a rewarding ending. That was so funny. I was like, we've seen it before this one man band thing. I couldn't remember if it was just like him having issues with like his instruments and that was going to, and like he was trying to get this girl to give him the coin and she was going to tease him about it. I forgot totally about like the dueling mu musician aspect, which I really, really like. Um, I love anything musical besides lava. Cause that song puts <laughs> me to sleep. Um, so this like dueling one man band thing was super awesome. I loved that. The little girl and how sassy she is when she, when her coin goes down the drain and she grabs that uh, the the violin and the whole scene where she's like not playing it but then like adjusting it and then it's still not there and she adjusts it again was so great. I thought that was so funny. Um, so this was a really like rewarding watch for me because I had s expectations that were just not what this short was. Thing about it though is it went up against Jerry's game, which I think is such a creative concept. This one uh, premiered before Bugs Life, and this is actually besides Knickknack is like I remember watching. So when DVDs first became a thing, they included Jerry's game as a bonus feature on the Bugs Life DVD, and I remember watching Jerry's game so many times. And not finishing Bugs Life, just watching Jerry's game because it was so How funny. How dare to me. you? I mean, Bugs Life, I've said it on the pod before. I went back and watched it and it's hilarious and it's great. But Jerry's game, like, to think of this concept of this lonely guy who just wants to play chess in the park and creates these two different personalities, right? And we could dive into, like, what this actually means if we wanted to, but, like, he creates these two different personalities. And the the twist at the end and how he ends up winning the game is just i think it's so such like an old man move like it's something that you expect like your grandpa to pull on you right like it's it's very relatable in that sense and when he pulls the trick and that stupid smile he has on his face cracks me up every single time it's just such a a wholesome short all around right uh fun fact jerry is in toy story 2 he fixes yep. Woody. Um, so I know that we mentioned that you scene. won't find these shorts in other universes, but this, I think, was a one of those kind of like nods, and there's another one coming up here in a little bit. Jerry um, transcends time and space. So. He does, he does. Um, the fake heart attack scene <laughs> is hilarious. So and good. then when And then when his alter ego has to then also check his pulse because it's this like self-awareness that he's also him, and he's like, wait, why am I am I okay then? Like, uh, it's just so smart. Ah, oh, this is so difficult because I was so pleasantly surprised by one man band, but I'm gonna go with Jerry's game because that is the I just have such an affinity, not only personally for this short, but I think that even when you watch it over and over again, you find something that you can appreciate. So I know one thing I said about Piper is it has a self contained narrative in a really short amount of time. I think One Man Band definitely does that. Yeah. Jerry's game doesn't really get that complex. 
but it still works because it has two basically distinct characters you can see their traits there's a conflict and you know the direction of the short you know that it's leading towards whoever's going to win the chess game right so just because they're not going anywhere or doing anything it's fine you're able to stay engaged mm -hmm. in the short and the character is so funny and so charming that you're engaged the whole time. When I saw this bracket, I was like, it's Jerry's game. Man, it's Jerry's game, no questions asked. And as I was typing in this matchup, I put in one man band up against it and I was like, dang it. I feel like I remember really liking one man band though. So I went back and watched it and everything that you said is true. It is so good and so funny all of the characters so distinct so well designed you have the percussionist one-man band who has the drums and the trumpets and the cymbals and he's like a burlier guy who is a little bit more boisterous and aggressive in his personality and then you have like the tall slender guy who's a little bit more calculated a little more devious looking and he's got the strings because those are more elegant instruments that require a little bit more technical skill to be proficient in so it's really just perfect in so many ways and like you said that little girl playing the violin is just hilarious the cello placement of my strings guy is a little interesting <laughs> yeah it was a little freudian wasn't it yeah a little bit i've said on this podcast before that i really like when action is derived from characterizations and one man band does this perfectly you have these two greedy rude performers and their greediness causes this little girl to lose her coin it's not just like a thing that suddenly happens there was a motivating factor and that factor was really strong and apparent in the short and so that obviously builds in the course of this short and it climaxes with the little girl being extremely resourceful and grabbing the violin and playing it and getting all the money and then she's so quick and witty that she throws the coins into the fountain and takes the rest of the money herself uh i don't know i'm just gonna have to go with the gut test here i think i like one man band better <laughs> Man. Yeah. So it's going to Cali. Oh. This one's another really hard matchup. Um, and I'm honestly surprised that both of these are um, so close to the middle because I do consider them both really good ones. And Kyle, piggybacking off of what you said, Jerry's Game is one of the first shorts that I remember watching um, with the movie. That and Luxo Jr., I feel like, just like stick out in my mind for some reason. Um, so Jerry's game, you guys know I'm a sucker for old men. I think they're adorable. That <laughs> are you? Not like that. Like just old people in general. I think they're adorable. I think we need to spend more time with old folks because they have a lot to teach us. Um, same with Up, how I love uh, Carl in Up, because he's just so endearing, because he's a crotchety old guy. Um, but Jerry's game, co-signing everything Kyle said, absolutely hilarious when he pulls the heart attack gag and then flips the board around. Um, anytime there's a denture gag in there, I'm all for it. Um, I will watch 
that lady trying to blow out her birthday cake and then her dentures fall out at least once a week, probably. <laughs> I love that stuff. Um, one Man Band I recently revisited um, in preparation for this. And anything that Michael Michael G., the guy that it composes all of the super iconic uh film scores um did the music for this one and i think it's obvious because the music really carries that short um and it's beautiful and wonderful but jerry's game has it for me all right jerry's game another academy award winner advancing to the next round which takes us to the number three seed for the birds versus the number 14 seed lou for the birds Another Academy Award winner. Going up against Lou. Lou, I had no idea existed until these survey results came in, so I had to go watch it. And this one is really a jumbled mess to me. The theme of it, I think, is sharing is caring. It's about a pile of junk in a lost and found box named Lou teaching a bully a life lesson that is share your things. And then by the end of the movie, the Lou character just disappears and then you never see him again. And you think that there's going to be some relationship between Lou and the bully, maybe, but then it's just the bully at the end by himself. And then he makes friends with some other kids on the playground. This thing just felt really thrown together and it's cute, I guess, in its messaging, but it's really not focused enough for me to be a good Pixar short. Going up against For the Birds, as I mentioned, Academy Award winner, does such a good job showing the characters of the birds. They're all identical, little tiny birdies, all making exactly the same sound, and yet they have distinct personalities. If you pause For the Birds, after the little birds are mimicking the big bird sound, the big bird makes one more honking sound, and then there's a brief reaction shot of four little birdies on the wire. And if you pause it right there, you can see that each one has a different expression on their face, that it is a quick insight into who each of those little birds are. There's like a scared one, one who's got his nose up like he's really snobby, one who's like mad and then one who's just like confused what is going on. And so this is something I think that Pixar is an expert at. They really care about those small details that a mother that another animation studio might overlook. Additionally, you've got the no speaking aspect of it where these birds are just communicating with each other in a series of tweets and honks and yet you feel like you know exactly what they're saying. When they're chanting, tweet, 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 yeah. <laughs> tweet, I die every single time. Yeah, it's like your brain hears the tweets and then is able to like translate it internally so that you know exactly what they're saying. It's great. Yeah, this one's definitely a no contest for me. It's definitely for the birds over Lou. It's so funny because I like... As we go through this, I just find that we are not Pixar short compatible at all, Chris. I don't. Are you get kidding this. me right now? This matchup for me, dude, is it's the battle of the bullies. You have the for the birds, which is a it's a uh, 
story, not active revenge, but is a story of revenge. The birds got that what was coming for them, right? They're making fun of this bird, in the end, they end up with the short stick. With Lou, it's like the the story of resolution, like teaching this bully that this is not the way to treat others. You don't just take things. You don't push people down. Like you're you're supposed to. I, sharing is caring is part of it, but I think it's just more of being a good and decent human being. Um, and I what I found so charming about Lou and creative was how like it's a concept that you see growing up. There's always a lost and found box. Maybe you contribute to it. I certainly did. And it's just a jumbled pile of many different pieces from many different people. Lou personifies all of those things into one that just wants to get back to the original owners and wants to make sure that this bully knows that like being nice and being you will be rewarded for being nice. And he is. Kids start playing with him at the very end, right? Like the 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 little girl appreciates him for giving back her toy and the boys want to play catch with him. And it's more than just like, don't bully because if you do bad things might happen to you, like the birds that get launched off the wire and then end up being humiliated. It's like, be kind to one another, be somebody that others would want to be with. Right. Um, I thought that in lieu, the creativity of forming this like little human this this lost and found creature was super creative as he's like running away from the bully and he keeps changing forms and at one point he like becomes a, a human-esque figure and he's like reading a newspaper or something i thought that was super funny i really liked it i think that it, it, this is two very similar situations in these stories to me and i think that lou just handles it a lot better i think it's a much more well-rounded story and and moral that comes out of it and i just appreciate it a lot more than for the birds not to say that for the birds was not a good short film i thought it was great you just brought up it won an oscar it's hilarious the chanting gets me also every single time but i think at the end of this day it's lou for me so as been the trend we are going back to pixar extraordinaire kelly um so i saw lou in theaters because I was one of the sad saps that went and saw Cars 3 in theaters. <laughs> um, I went to the Emeryville Bay Street AMC all by myself to watch Cars 3 um, last week that it was showing. But it was worth it. And I think Lou falls into the category. There's only a couple other shorts that fall into this category where I enjoyed the short more than the actual movie that I paid $13 to go watch. Um, I thought Lou was definitely, yeah, (laughs) I thought, well, I think it was a Tuesday afternoon. So, (laughs) um, I thought Lou was much better than Cars 3. Um, but I think in this one for the birds is going to take it just because I feel like when you look back over the next, or like in, 30 years when you look back at this list of shorts, I think For the Birds is going to be the classic one and Lou is going to be much like the story forgotten about and it's going to be in a lost and found bin somewhere. Ooh, um, oof, I gosh. think <laughs> I think some of the um, the comedy of the inanimate objects coming to life we've seen in Toy Story, like the Slinky, I'm tired of that. Um, 
just some of those gags Pixar has used over and over again. And I think for the birds was for being like two very similar storylines of like, don't be a bully, all that, that you guys have already touched on. I think for the birds just feels more timeless. Oof. Finally broke out of my tiebreaker slump right there. Yeah. Wow. Holy cow. All right. So moving on to the last matchup of this round of 16 it is number six bow versus number 11 tin toy guys i have some thoughts about tin toy what a terrifying short absolutely horrifying what a terrifying short nightmare fuel when that baby rounds that corner you're not ready for what's about to show up because tin the tin toy looks great for the year that was made which was 1988 right like it, it looks like besides it being very like um distorted like the image being kind of distorted here on disney plus like he looked good for for a 1988 toy and then the baby rounds the corner and you're like what (laughs) nightmare did i just enter into you entered into tin toys nightmare but i don't think that the baby was supposed to look like that it's much like the reds uh what was that one called red's dream red's nightmare red's 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 dream red's nightmare right like he's it, it, the clown didn't look great neither did this baby um there were the part of tin toy that really made me laugh is when he goes under the couch and all of the other toys are there and their expressions they're just so simple but they're just huge white eyes with little pupils i thought that was absolutely hilarious um bow this is the one that showed up before incredibles 2 and everybody was like what just happened it's very similar it's it's a story that is, uh, it's like Sanjay's, where it's like we're we're finally getting some representation from a group written by this group, right? Like, it it was it's just such an important feat for Pixar to include this short before something like The Incredibles, which does not have very much representation in it at all, right? It's a mid-century futuristic, mostly white movie. Um, the shock factor in bow is just so powerful when you watch it for the first time just because who saw it coming right um i think that it was a little it started getting a little ridiculous in some parts of it where it was just like okay like we get it like this the, the the dumpling is the the bow is the kid and now like she's she's probably missing an actual kid and that's what it turns out to be and i think like for parents in the audience who may have been somebody like my parents age where like they have kids that had just gone off to college this was probably super relatable and very like powerful for them it was just very like what did we just watch at the end of at the end of bow for me but i think that bow's gonna take the cake for me here i think that not only the representation, but you're getting new storytellers into the mix with the cast and crew that put this together. Tin Toy was another one where, like, even though it predates Toy Story, it's a similar theme that we see a lot in Pixar, especially with toys, and this definitely kicked it off. Um, tin, the Tin Toy Man was in Toy Story 4, right? He was in the little cave with all the other yeah. toys. Um, or in the um, antique shop with the Ricky Henderson bobblehead, and it's, yeah, yeah, 
and uh, it, it, it's a cute short, but it's a simple story while Bao really does a great job of telling a emotional path in many people's lives when they have kids. So for me, Bao's moving on past Tin Toy. Yeah, Kyle, so these are both Academy Award winners here going head to head. That's shocking to think about. <laughs> it's I crazy like... to think that anyone saw <laughs> the... Tin Toy and was like, oh my. Give them an Oscar. God, yeah. Yeah. It had to have just, it's one of those things where it's like, wow, this is so crazy that they animated this on a computer, right? Yeah. In 88. It's not and so just they're like, we got to give it paper. the awards. I think that Bao is clearly the better short here, but just like I tipped my cap to Red's Dream, I want to tip my cap to Tin Toy in that it feels like the first of the shorts that delivers a punchline at the end of it, which is something that happened throughout this entire library. Tin Toy does it where... All of the toys are running away from the baby. They don't want to be played with. The tin toy goes to play with the baby, and the baby just wants to play with the packaging. And it's kind of like a punchline of a joke where you go, oh, ha, 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 ha. I get it. That's funny. That's ironic. Pixar does those things in a lot of these other short films, and tin toy was the first one where it really did that. So got to give it some credit. But yes, I agree. Bao is pretty complete. It has the representation aspects, which I love. And yeah, we can talk more about it in the next round. I have one quick theory about Tin Toy that I would like to throw out there. Please go for it. While it's still on the table, because clearly Bao is the superior short. I think the baby (laughs) from Tin Toy turns into Sid. Or I think that's Sid as a baby. That's a really valid theory, because doesn't that same situation happen where like Woody goes under the bed and then there's a bunch of scared toys And there's down all there those toys. Yeah. Yes. And they're yes. all terrified because the baby has like a vein bulging out of its neck already <laughs> and like weird raisin shrivels. Like baby is terrifying. Sid is terrifying. Baby has no hair. Sid has no hair. I think Sid is the baby. It's so funny. Speaking of the bad baby animation, I remember reading the Creativity Inc. book and hearing the stories about how like some animator brought their actual baby in and yeah. they animated it based on the oh, baby. No. And I'm like, oh no. Okay, first of all, what, what an either A, someone had to be like, wow, this really looks like that baby. Or B, that <laughs> is what that baby looked like and it's not great. I don't so want to be an ugly any- baby shamer, but yikes if any pixar character was modeled after me i would take great pride in that and tell everyone but that is the one character that i would not tell a single person (laughs) that i was it was modeled after me all right so that does it for our round of 16 that's gonna conclude our episode today of course before we go we'd like to thank callie for joining us again in the pixar universe thank you for offering your insane crazy fan conspiracy theories thanks for having me of course you can always reach us via email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com you can tweet us at mousemadnesspod you can join our facebook group or discord server linked in the description of this podcast and we both just want to say a massive thank you to everyone out there who has been listening to our show thank you for helping us reach 30 episodes I honestly didn't think we'd make it this far and yet here we are and we did it and so with that I'll just say, we lava you.